Hello and welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod with Nick and Cody coming to you on a Monday night just after the Chiefs pull off a thrilling victory over the Raiders 30-29 to at home. Cody, you really had to sweat that one out. I'm sure you had to change shirts before uh, you started this podcast here, but uh, how are you feeling? Just give me a vibe check in the uh, the KC fandom right now. Hey, I'm feeling good. Winners win, and uh, that's just what we continue to do. We got the uh, we got the Bills next week, and I feel like this was just a uh, this was definitely a trap game. Like well, I went into it with the the thought that we could definitely lose this, just looking ahead to next week, but. We ended up, uh, we ended up getting you kind of. I don't want to call it stealing it because we did kind of control it from the fourth quarter on, but it was it was looking pretty rough through the first quarter and a half. But uh, luckily, we got the win, and uh, yeah, feeling feeling all right. Obviously, that defense isn't looking too great, and the explosive offense of the Chiefs is kind of not dink and dunk, but definitely just short crossers nonstop to any of the speed guys. So I definitely think that there's you know definitely some improvement that can be made but overall I'm feeling pretty good after that after that game yeah I mean that was a really exciting game obviously Mahomes showed up in the second half there but uh as the resident Broncos fan I would be hammering Bills minus two and a half right now and I know I think it was at minus one and a half before uh the game started the Bills play the Chiefs next week in Kansas City but it wow. moved the whole point after that Chiefs defensive performance so I thought that was kind of funny but um, we'll end up getting into the uh, the Chiefs Raiders game at the end of this episode, but we're going to start uh, with uh, recaps starting from the the London game in the morning, one o'clock games. Then we're going to move to the three, uh, the Sunday night, and then the Monday night game at the end there. But starting with the Giants uh, at the Green Bay Packers, technically the Packers the home team in this one, but this was in London. The Giants pulled off the shocker, twenty seven twenty two. Starting on the Giants side. I think this, in my opinion, was more about the the Packers looking bad more than the Giants being, you know, a team that we sort of believe in at this point as, uh, you know, a really upper echelon team in the NFL right now. I think their record is a little bit more paper tigery than I would say, you know, others that are four and one. But uh, Saquon is really good, and I I think the Darius Slayton conversation is pretty interesting. So I'll just throw it to you, Cody. Tell me what you think of him. Um, yeah, so for, specifically about the Giants, their wins come against the, uh, the the Bears, the Panthers, who just fired their head coach, the Titans, and then um, obviously the Packers would be their first win of, of good note. So um, I do think that they just had a really soft uh, first part of the schedule. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones doesn't look like anything special still. He looks very below average if we're being completely honest he does have a little bit of mobility which has been nice for their offense but um yeah i think they're gonna have a little bit of a tougher part of the schedule they have the ravens jaguars the seahawks in the next three weeks there's a chance they could lose all three of those games and then you know we're kind of talking to we're talking kind of talking to about them as a seven eight win team which is where i think they'll ultimately end up so um it is a big win though but i agree with you 100 percent that i think the packers just i think they are maybe a little a little lower than we had them projected coming into the season um, overall. But I will will mention Slayton because he did have, you know, he was kind of the guy there in the Giants passing offense. So he's definitely someone I think he should be on a lot of waiver wires. And if you're someone who needs a another wide receiver depth piece, I think he's worth picking up um, 
over a lot of guys that we'll probably go through. You know, through, we'll go through the rest of the games, but he's probably worth picking up, uh, dropping some of these uh, wide receivers that haven't performed. Yeah, I never really got why Slayton didn't get more of a shot. I think he looked pretty good when he gets his chances, and I think him and Daniel Jones have shown a connection together. So I think he's actually kind of an interesting option if he's going to get a decent amount of snaps in this Giants offense. Uh, Saquon's really good, but on the Giants' side, that's really all you're looking at from a fantasy perspective. Um, and then on the Green Bay side, as we said, just a disappointing game from them as a team. Um, I think the conversations really come from the running back position. I, I don't know if either one of us are really worried about Aaron Jones. Maybe doesn't have the upside of a top five back like he might have, but you're not going to sit him. He's going to be fine. This is kind of what Aaron Jones does. He's sort of boom bust. A.J. Dillon's the more interesting conversation. You know, not even 10 touches in this one. No passing game involvement. Um, are we sitting Jones week to week, or is this somebody you're still plugging into a flex or RB2 spot uh, without question, Cody? Um, I think for uh, for Dillon, I'm depending on who I have, I mean, and what I need, because the thing with Dillon that we kind of thought he was going to provide was somewhat of a safe floor week in and week out for you, and that floor has been pretty low, so... I if you need a win, I I don't mind him next week because it is against the Jets, so they should be able to get you know some offense going against them. But um, you know if you're one in one in four and you need a win next week, I may take a look at Sub and Dylan out for someone that you know maybe a little maybe a boom or bust option, but maybe he booms next week and you can get in the win category. I think it's somewhat situational, but he could definitely be benched if you're if you're needing a win or something like that. Yeah, I think he's probably going to be pretty game script dependent. You probably thought this was one he'd be in a positive game script, ended up being not that way in the second half. Um, I was definitely disappointed to see six carries. I didn't know there was a floor that low for Dylan, but I think better weeks are ahead, and he plays the Jets next week and then the Washington Commanders. So the next two weeks at least should be pretty good for Dylan. Uh, on the wide receivers, it's also kind of an interesting conversation. I think. Lazard is pretty much TD or bust at this point. I know he had a good week against the Patriots yardage-wise, but it seems like the outlier here to the to this this point uh, for Lazard in the season. And then uh, Romeo Dobbs, a little bit more of an interesting conversation. He had a rough week. I I think I'm still in on him as the guy I want rest of season, not really buying the, the Randall Cobb breakout this week with 13 targets for whatever reason to Randall Cobb. No, they uh, 13 targets to Randall Cobb is such an Aaron Rodgers move. Just going to old reliable <laughs> as much as he can. Um, but I'm not chasing him either. Um, and I see here you'd, you'd take dubs rest of season. I, I think I'd agree with you there. It, I think your point on Lazard is 100% true. He's he's completely boom or bust um, dependent on a, tie, on a touchdown. You know, he's not going to – he's not boom or bust. He is TD or bust because if he's going to get a TD, it's going to be – Around 10 fantasy points on the week for you, or you're probably looking at like two to four points if he doesn't get in the end zone. So uh, I would, you know, Dubs is probably still a decent flex option, but I think Lazard kind of takes a bump down after this week. Yeah, I feel like I'm not as worried about Dobbs as maybe other people are because I was never that high on him to begin with. I kind of always thought that this was going to be sort of an offense by committee like we see uh, in Kansas City where it's sort of one guy week to week, not necessarily a you know, a number one and then number two defined. But um, I think Dobbs is still a guy I'd want. He looks like the most talented and, you know, I think he has the most, he has the highest chance of being the one moving forward, I guess, if I had to choose one. 
Uh, anything sure. else you want to add to Giants, Packers, or do we move on? Nope. Hopefully Christian Watson uh, sees the field a little bit at some point this season because he's been yeah, completely I blanked. He, I believe he got hurt again on this Sunday. I think he retweaked his hamstring, so that might have been nice. why he didn't see the field very much. But, gotcha. again, yeah, that's – that's not good for his value either way. But right. uh, moving on to Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Buffalo smashes the Steelers 38-3. to um, We can start on the Pittsburgh side here. Uh, this this game is, I mean, obviously a tough look for them. It was kind of expected to be tough going in, but they really never had a chance right from the start. Najee Harris, um, I, I, his, his lack of third down usage is a huge concern. He had another dud in this one. Uh, what do you do with him if you have him right now, Cody? Oh, Nick, I I was after the Cortland Sutton dud on Thursday. I thought that I had made the worst trade in fantasy football history, but I'm looking back. I think it may it may end up working out. Um, I I was I did have Najee in our mini dynasty league, which made getting rid of him really hard. But simply put, he just does not look good, uh, and this offensive line looks just terrible and I'm not even just talking about the Bills game because I will say the Bills just outclassed the Steelers in just about every way but Najee's constantly getting hit two to three yards behind the line of scrimmage on just about every every time he touches the football and he's not getting the passing game work that he was last year if you can sell him based on name value and get yourself another startable player I would do that other than that I think you just have to hold him because and hope that the offense just looks better when they get some easier matchups but there's not a lot of easy matchups in their upcoming schedule. So if you can sell them, I definitely would, but it, it's tough to do for sure. Yeah, I think you're probably going to have to hold him. Like you said, I mean, he's had a few bad weeks in a row, and he has tough matchups coming up. Uh, anybody that's paying any sort of attention is probably not going to buy Najee at any sort of value that you're going to want to get rid of him at. So uh, if you can sell him for RB2 value, do it, but it's going to be tough right now. Uh, I think you might just have to hold on and hope for the best for Najee Harris. Yep. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be selling him for basically nothing. Um, on the passing side for the Steelers, I think George Pickens is the guy I want rest of season. I know Deontay had another hefty target share, but really didn't do much once again. I think Pickens has just shown me a little bit more in the way of upside, uh, at least moving forward. And it seems like while this game was competitive, he was kind of uh, – you know, the guy for Kenny Pickett. I mean, maybe that's just hyperbole, but I feel like uh, Pickens is my guy rest of season out of these Steelers pass catchers. Yep, I'm probably 55-45 leaning on the uh, the side of Pickens there. I ended up trading away Deontay in uh, the one league that I had had him in. So I, I do agree. I think he just, I don't know, just Pickett, he's probably just going to lean towards the rookie receiver. They probably got the most work together for the past six months. So it just typically leans that way unless you have like a true number one receiver. And Deontay's not really that guy. He's just kind of their, their number one option on a lot of routes. So I, I agree. I think just as Pickett gets more comfortable, he's going to continue looking to Pickens. And, you know, they those two could both be pretty good, uh, could be a pretty good combo. So I, I think I'm leaning Pickens a little bit. But, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sold completely because Deontay does get his target share quite a bit in this offense. Yeah, I just think Pickens has really jumped off the page to me as far as just a playmaker on the outside. It seems like he always kind of makes you know that one play every game that you remember. But uh, we'll see who the guy is moving forward. Throwing and the ball Pat Fryermuth, <laughs> yeah, for, I I would agree with that. But Pat Fryermuth uh, got a concussion in this one. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how much he played, but 
he didn't have a great game. I think you're just going to have to wait for him to come back, and he'll be kind of in that low-end starter slash streamer category like he has been most of this year. On the Buffalo side, um, not much in the way of you know difference makers in this one. Not as far as like we're not we're not changing our opinion on these Buffalo guys very much right now. Uh, Stephon Diggs is really good. Gabe Davis is a boomer bust wide receiver. As we saw, he absolutely boomed this week. Three catches for 171 yards and two touchdowns. One of the uh, most amazing stat lines from the last couple of years that I have seen from a wide receiver. Uh, as you have noted here, ran, very Randy Moss-esque with that one. Uh, I've never seen somebody lead the week in receiving yards with only three catches. That's pretty incredible. Um, but I don't really know if I'm changing any uh, my opinion on anyone in Buffalo. They're all really good, and you can start them. Uh, Singletary is the only one that was kind of disappointing, but you know we come to expect that from the running backs. Yep, I agree with everything you said on Buffalo. I don't really have much to add. I see here you said uh, Davis potential sell high candidate. I think that if you can sell him high and get you know a really good wide receiver too, um, I would consider doing that. But this is kind of what he's going to be: boom bust in a very pass heavy offense. So. He's going to have weeks like this, and he's probably going to have a couple of duds throughout the season. So just kind of depends on what your team makeup needs. But he's definitely a sell-high candidate because people are going to want him moving forward after this week. Another pretty exciting game uh, here, Chargers at the Browns. The Chargers end up winning at 30-28, to uh, really lucking that one out at the end. Almost gave it up uh, to another Cade York game winner. But on the Chargers side, uh, I think I'm buying low on Justin Herbert right now if you can. Uh, he just didn't really end up with a touchdown luck in this one. He's still really good. This offense is really good. The rushing game just kind of took over uh, on the Herbert thing. So I, I think I would buy him low if you can. Eckler, my God, uh, 16 for 173 and a touchdown. Four catches for 26 yards, another touchdown. He was incredible in this one. This is the Austin Eckler we saw last year. I think we can pretty much assume he's basically back at this point. And I think Josh Kelly has kind of cemented himself as the RB2 in this offense. Um, I think he's the handcuff you want for the Chargers. Do we have anything to add on the quarterbacks or the running backs here? No, I think you nailed it. Uh, Mike Williams, another really strong game here. Uh, Ten catches, 130 yards, didn't get into the end zone to make this one an absolute boom, but you got to be real happy with what you got from him so far. Uh, the one dud, the, the one semi-dud, even though he scored the touchdown, and then three really good games. So Mike Williams has been solid so far. And uh, Josh Palmer and uh, Gerald Everett dudded for us this week, unfortunately. Again, I think this is just kind of a, a byproduct of the – passing game not really exploding in this one because the rushing game just took so much over and Mike Williams had his large share so not much left over for Palmer and Everett a little disappointing but again with Everett especially this is just kind of what you expect from the tight end landscape so I'm not really changing my opinion on him yeah um and then new or I don't know if there's any been any news on Keenan Allen but pretty surprising because whenever him and Chris Godwin both got injured I felt like it was pretty it seemed pretty clear that Keenan Allen was going to make his return first, and Chris Godwin has played in two games back-to-back. So um, hopefully he comes back this week, but that injury I feel like is something that's going to be a little bit of a concern rest of season. So um, I'm sure if you drafted Keenan Allen, you're wanting him back, but I'm sure he'll be good, but maybe expectations a little low or not low, lower or potential just re-injury risk is there also. Yeah, it seems like Herbert might benefit a little bit too from receiving Allen back there as well. But, For sure. Uh, hopefully he can get back soon. 
Uh, and yeah, it seems like he kind of re-aggravated an injury at some point, or it, he must have. I, I don't know. It just it just seems like he's been out for too long at this point for that not to have happened. But who knows? Um, on the Cleveland side, Jacoby Brissett continues to play pretty well. I think it's more of a you know just kind of a good for this offense kind of thing. Not really anything about his value necessarily. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are very good. Nick Chubb, holy crap, Cody. He might lead the league in rushing this year. He has been incredible. And uh, Njoku and Cooper have good games as well. I think they are starters. Uh, I think the Browns are kind of what they are. Chubb, Hunt, Njoku, Cooper, stardom, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And I just want to shout out Vegas. They nailed this game all week last week. It was either Cleveland plus three all week, which covered, or it was Chargers minus one and a half by game time. So they were they were all over it. That was pretty impressive, just in general. Yeah, I'm really upset I didn't go with this one for my over-under. Would have had a perfect week in the best bets. But uh, you live and you learn. We'll talk about the game that I did make my over-under on later on. Uh, Chicago at Minnesota. This game actually ended up being pretty entertaining. Minnesota took it 29-22 after starting out 21-3 up, gave up their lead, and then ended up pulling it out in the fourth quarter in classic Minnesota fashion. On the Chicago side, I think uh, this offense got a little bit more interesting this week, honestly. Um, I know the passing volume didn't explode, but Darnell Mooney is just really good at football. My God, if they can ever just throw him the ball more than three or four times a game, I would really like him. I, I might actually be willing to stash him right now. I know that the pass, I'm not starting him, but that, that one-handed catch almost on its own makes me want to put him on my bench just because of how good he looks as a wide receiver if they ever throw him the ball more than three times a game. Uh, other than that, on Chicago, I think it's pretty much status quo. You know, you're starting Montgomery if he's in. Herbert if Montgomery's not and that's it yeah I I mean I agree in our in our league which I would consider rather deep I'm still stashing Mooney so if you if you can if you have a deep league like that and there's not a lot out there on the waiver wires he's definitely worth stashing because he was really good for fantasy football to the middle of end of last year which like I said it's it's just crazy that he's had this much regression but it's just the way their offense is playing out you'd think it would have to open up at some point so it's just kind of waiting for that to happen but if you if you have the roster ability or space and ability to be able to hold them i, I definitely think that's a good idea and then i just want to mention on the running backs i i was kind of keen on this but are we done with the potential herbert split because montgomery was questionable missing practice all last week comes in, you know, to this game and ends up just, you know, getting the majority of the work and, you know, being the only one that was a producer for fantasy players. So I, I'm just – I want to get your gauge on that because I know a lot of people were thinking that Herbert would just automatically get a split even when Monty came back. I mean, I think his split might be more than it was in years past, but it's not to the point where you're starting Herbert as a flex, and that's really the only thing that matters. I think who, if Montgomery's in, he's going to get – you know, 65% of the work and be the one. And if he's not, then Herbert will be a start. And that's pretty much all there is to it. Fair enough. On the Minnesota side, uh, really, they, this, this offense started out extremely strong, had almost 300 yards of total offense in the first half, and then just completely faded after that. 
Uh, had a couple good drives at the end to salvage their day and win the game, but sort of disappointing Minnesota didn't continue their momentum after that incredible start. Kirk started out with 17 straight completions, broke a Vikings record. I know that because it was the only game I could watch on Sunday as I was sick at home, but um, <laughs> anyway, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, as I said, he ended up kind of with an, a mad day to, like just you know based on how he started, and he was okay for fantasy. I think he ended up with about 25 points, but... You know, could have been a lot better than that. Uh, Dalvin Cook was great. 18 carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns. Madison's getting a little bit more in the way of a snap share than he did in years past, but I personally think that's good for him in the long run. Hopefully that means Dalvin can stay healthy all year. Jefferson's really good. Um, and, you know, Thielen is kind of what he is. He had seven targets again, sort of a dud game, but I'm not incredibly worried about him. He's sort of a boom-bust flex as is. You kind of need touchdowns for him to produce consistently. That's really all I have on the Vikings. Yep. I One thing I just want to say about Thielen is I think in game scripts where the Vikings are going to be down and having to pass the ball, he is he is going to be th- – those are going to be his boom weeks. When you see that the Vikings are playing against another good team, you know, that doesn't have an elite defense, then I think those are the weeks that Thielen's a smash play. But if there's a team they're going to potentially blow out or something like that, Thielen just kind of – I would probably bench him on those kind of weeks. Just moving forward, we'll kind of see how that – hypothesis plays out but you know this was a game that if you tuned into the preview I definitely called that I just felt like Thielen wasn't going to be as needed as he has been yeah I like that call for sure on Thielen especially in the secondary part of this passing game that might be a uh, a good way to look at it yep um Detroit at New England sort of a stinker here especially from one side New England wins at 29 to 0 um on the Detroit side the, the Lions really just had a bad day at the office here. You know, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown ended up suiting up, but only played 20 snaps. Didn't really, you know, out of about 55 total. So really was a bit player, just kind of a decoy for them. Did not end up factoring too heavily into their game plan. Jamal Williams had a subpar day, uh, but this all offense did. Obviously, they scored zero points. I think this is just personally a bad day at the office. It's tough to play at New England, especially for these young teams. I, I'm still going to go back to the well with most of the guys I was considering, you know, but you just got to manage your expectations with this Lions team. Yeah, this was a bad beat for me. I This was one of my best bets that absolutely failed. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, like you said, it was just a bad day at the office for the Lions. They just did not look to be um, just with it at all, at least on the offensive side. Um, yeah, again, all options disappointed. They're going into the bye week. Hopefully, they should get really healthy. Uh, St. Brown, Swift should both hopefully come back for week seven healthy. Uh, Hawkinson probably needs a week off because he was on the injury report, report most of last week. So, I'm not out on these options yet. You have a bye week this week, and I think that this offense should come back pretty strong after that. So, um, definitely not worth selling any of these pieces at this point if you can hold on to them. Yeah, not at all. I think once all these playmakers get healthy and come back, this team's going to look a lot better. Even same um, with Jared and, Goff. If you're in like a deep league or, or two QB league, Jared, Jared Goff's a fine stash as well through the bye week because he's going to get all of his options back next week. So sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off, but it's just something to throw out there. No, you're fine. I think uh, I think two QB league for Goff for sure. You're not dropping him, but uh, I I'd probably drop him in any sort of one quarterback situation just yeah, because for sure. I think you can probably find a streamer of his quality. But yeah, two QBs don't drop him for sure. He's he's gonna be fine. Um, and on the New England side, Ramondre Stevenson, kind of the big topic here. Uh, Damien Harris hurt his hamstring. 
pretty early in this one. Only ended up with about five touches. Ramondre ends up with 161 yards on 25 carries. A ridiculous performance. Like It was against Detroit. Seems like pretty much everybody has boom weeks against Detroit this year. But if Ramondre Stevenson's going to be getting the, the whole load here uh, from the Patriots' backfield, then he's basically an automatic start until Damian Harris comes back. Um, and then Jacoby Myers, I guess, is pretty much the guy you want as long as he's healthy. Seems like he is the clear number one on the receiving side of things right now. Yeah, Jacoby's definitely the wide receiver you want, but I think you have a great note about the Patriots here. They always have running back shenanigans. So, uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson should be a smash play going into next week as long as Harris is to miss. And for each week, Harris does miss, but you never know with the Patriots. They could just roll some random guy off the street and give him 10 of his carries or something stupid like that. So... I, I, I wouldn't be concerned about that when you're setting your lineup, but don't be surprised if it happens to you. Yeah, I, I think Stevenson's going to be a good play, don't don't get me wrong, but I do think that they will work in other backs. This is kind of happens sometimes when you have uh, you know like a two-back rotation like the Patriots had. If one of them gets hurt in-game, they'll just roll the, the guy that they had the entire game you know, because they he was the one that was in practice, you know, with the game plan, yada yada. So if they if they come into a whole week of practices with Pierre Strong or whoever the hell they want to put in as their backup, then he might get a little bit more work this next time. But we'll see how it uh, shakes out for New England. Ramondre is going to be a strong start either way, even if it's only fifteen to twenty touches instead of whatever he had today. I think it was twenty five thirty. So, hmm. um, anything you want to add to this game? Uh, nope. I think we're good. Seattle at New Orleans, another pretty exciting one here. New Orleans takes it 39-32. I saw this over-under was bet down to about 40 before game time, which is pretty <laughs> insane. Both teams almost cleared this over-under in this one. Uh, and on the Seattle side, I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of this team. We were very low on this offense coming into this year, as were most. Uh, they've looked great so far. Gino has been really good by basically any metric you look at. It's really hard for me not to buy him at this point, but I'm still calling him a streamer. I'm not. I just I can't I can't bring myself to call him a top twelve option the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. One thing with Gino is you know he's going to have another game against the 49ers and two games against the Rams at some point this year, and you're probably not going to have the uh, the stones to start him in those matchups. So. He he's not locked and loaded, but he's he's on the higher end of streamer, you know, options that are available for you. So, if you have um, a quarterback going on to a buy, I think Geno's a fine play. Um, or if you just need a, maybe a little bit more production out of that position. Yeah, I mean, at New Orleans should have been a tough matchup for him, and he was, I think, the quarterback four on the week after Mahomes just passed him tonight. So uh, pretty impressive performance from Geno Smith. Had a few ridiculously good throws to Tyler Lockett in the end zone in this one as well. Yep. Um, Rashad Penny gets hurt in this one. He broke his tibia. He's out for the year. Uh, Kenneth Walker, uh, it seems like he's going to be the guy moving forward. I mean, obviously they're going to involve other people in this backfield. I think there's a good chance DJ Dallas or uh, Travis Homer, when he comes back, takes over third downs. But Kenneth Walker, if he's on your waiver wire, you dump every last bit of fab you have on him. He's going to be the guy the rest of the year. He was a really high draft capital running back. I, uh, you know, I'd be really excited if I had Walker on my roster right now. Yeah, if you. Um... Uh, I don't even want to say this on the podcast, but I dropped him Saturday in a league because I had to pick up 
a stash wide receiver piece and oh it's just it's coming back to bite me so bad right now but um yeah that's unfortunate Oof. but yeah i it's rough Oof. man yeah i am so mad at myself right now but uh it was just it was a league that i knew if penny wouldn't have gotten hurt there i would have been able to get walker back like i would have been able to just drop him pick him back up on waivers <laughs> hit because it's just not a very active league and it, there's no way he's getting back to me now because I'm pretty sure I have, like, the sixth or seventh waiver priority. So absolutely hurts, but I agree. Uh, dump all your fab, burn whatever waiver priority, put in a claim, you know, and just hope that you get him because he's going to be good. If you're in a very deep league, DJ Dallas is also worth a, you know, speculative ad to see if he is used as a third down back in this offense. Um, you know, Geno Smith's been pretty accurate as a quarterback. May end up getting some fantasy value at some point, but just a complete stash at this point. Yeah, I think Walker's definitely the guy you want in oh, this yeah. offense moving For forward. Sure. He looks pretty good in the limited work that he got on Sunday. Ended up having a good day, but uh, both the wide receivers had a good day as well. Lockett, two touchdowns. DK had one as well. Uh, both of them had about 100 yards on the day. I'm still selling high on these guys. I think this is probably the highest their value is going to get all year. I know I could get burned if Geno's the real deal, but I'm just taking the bet on the larger sample size of Geno not being very good in his NFL career, but I, I could be alone on that one. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. And even though Geno's looked really good through the first couple of weeks, this team basically was promoting Drew Locke as their starting quarterback for most of the offseason. So, like, let's not forget that. I don't think he's anything special um you know talent wise or anything like that so i agree sell high if you can get wide receiver two value you should be taking that all day long um the both of these guys are great options for two for ones because their value at the wide receiver position is pretty high so um 100 sell high candidates i i couldn't agree more um if you're gonna hold them you're kind of banking that geno smith's able to maintain and just if he was this good of a quarterback, don't you think he would have been a starter in the NFL at one of his other destinations at some point? So I, I, I agree with selling high. On New Orleans' side, uh, let's just get to the topic that most people would want to hear about here. And it's, <laughs> I, I don't really know what to make of it moving forward, to be honest. But Taysom Hill uh, threw a touchdown for 22 yards, had three touchdowns on nine carries for 112 yards in this one. Um, I, I, I think he has to be considered a starting tight end at this point, just based on the landscape and the fact that he is tight end eligible. Uh, but I, I don't know if you have any sort of expectation near what this week was, you're going to be disappointed, but it's, it's hard for me to find 10 other tight ends. I like better than him. Yep, unfortunately, you are correct. Um, you know, there's definitely a game out there. He's going to have, you know, maybe seven carries for 20 yards and puts up a complete dud. But the fact that, I mean, when he does run the ball, he finds a way to get into the end zone. And the game, a game like this just, you know, takes it over the top. So, yeah, he's, he's in the streaming category as much as that is kind of crazy to say once again. And he could potentially be a cheat code if he ends up taking more snaps at quarterback than – we are uh, expecting him to. Yeah, I mean, and even uh, we were starting Gerald Everett and TJ Hawkinson, and I could name a few others this week, and, you know, they had mega duds as well. That's just kind of what you get out of the tight end position. Did, so if you know you have this kind of upside from Hill, then, you know, you can live he, with the five for 20 weeks. Yeah, does he ever line up as a tight end? 
Like every time I see him in the game, it's always at quarterback. But if we just we just keep saying that he's a tight end, it's crazy. I think when he lines up as tight end, it's basically always to block. I don't think right. he ever actually <laughs> runs routes. So I, it's really just in in name and just I guess positioning uh, based on what the Saints told people what he was going to be. But yep. yeah, I mean he's he's he should be a quarterback for all intents and purposes, honestly. Um, Camara had a good bounce back week, just missed a touchdown, but he had uh, 194 total yards in this one, so really good game for him. Uh, Olave got concussed on his touchdown, might have had a bigger week if he had stayed in the game. Uh, with new protocols, I would expect him to miss a week, but uh, you're just going to have to monitor him. Uh, pretty disappointing for the rookie. Hopefully it's uh, a short absence here for Chris Olave. Yeah, I, that's actually a great point to bring up. Any of these uh, questionable with concussion injuries, if it if it happened in the game before, I would consider just about everybody eligible to miss the following week with how uh, careful I would say teams are going to be after the Tua situation and the NFL just kind of being a little bit more strict on that. So I think that's just going to add a little bit more of a dynamic in fantasy because a lot of times you would see people – they clear concussion protocol, and then they're they're right back out there the next week. They're perfectly fine. We may have some uh, key guys throughout the next couple weeks have to miss a week due to some concussion concerns. So, if you uh, if you have a guy with a concussion, I would I would plan other options because I think there's going to be a high chance that a lot of them miss. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody. There's gonna, not going to be many people turning around the same week in playing uh, right after a concussion anymore, uh, which is. Definitely Which is a good. great move on the NFL's part. Of course. Yeah, 100%. Um, Miami at the Jets. Uh, the Jets win this one 40-17. to 17. Uh, Pretty tough break for Miami in this one. Teddy got hurt really early. And again, this one, he would have been cleared based on the old concussion protocols, but he was held out after his head injury through one pass in this game. And then the undrafted rookie Skylar Thompson came in and just was not ready for NFL action as most undrafted rookies would not be. But I think uh, the only story on the Dolphins side that I'm taking any merit in is Raheem Mostert. Seems like the lead back for now. I'd say Edmonds is basically just a handcuff at this point. If you're in a shallow league, go ahead and drop him. But if you're in a deep league that, you know, all the handcuffs are rostered in, then I would go ahead and hold on to him, but he's uh, unplayable while Mostert is healthy. So you're saying I should have dropped Chase Edmonds instead of Kenneth Walker on Saturday morning. <laughs> I am saying that 100%. Yes. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. And then I just want to point out the the passing options. Jalen Waddle, uh, maybe a little bit of concern with him. He just had a couple of down weeks, but other than that, it's just this week I'm just throwing it completely away because they had Skylar Thompson there. Yeah, I think if you get Teddy or Tua back at some point, you feel just fine about these pass catchers. But, uh, yeah, while Skyler's in there, it's going to be tough for either one of them, honestly. So we're just going to have to see him show us something before we're comfortable playing either one. I think you're probably just going to have to play Tyree Kill at this point if he's in there. But uh, with Jalen, you're going to be pretty scared to play him if it's Skyler Thompson. For sure. Uh, on the Jets side, Brees Hall uh, is the biggest story for the New York Jets. Uh, he had almost 200 total yards, had a touchdown, could have had two more. He did all the work on two different long plays that he got tackled at the one on. Michael Carter ran both of them in from one yard out, so he could have had an even bigger day. But Brees Hall seems to have emerged as the RB1 in the Jets' backfield. Carter, probably more of a boom-bust flex. I'm not really buying his two touchdowns. And the pass catchers, I'm not 
incredibly concerned about from the sense that, uh, you know, you were only starting them as low-end flexes anyway. Garrett Wilson's my favorite guy here, but Zach Wilson only had 21 throws in this game, and 112 of his 210 yards went to the running backs. So just not a big pie for the wide receivers to split. Yeah, for sure. Um, I agree. If you can sell Carter for anything in a two-for-one or the throw-in on some deal, I, I would absolutely do that. But Brees Hall yeah. is the guy to have there. He he is finally having his takeover. And luckily for me, I have uh, DeAndre Swift in a league who's let me down through the first couple weeks with some injuries. And then obviously the bye and Brees Hall uh, saved me this week. I ended up pulling out the win in that league. And uh, through the bye next week, he's definitely going to be starting in my RB position. So that breakout is coming at a uh, perfect time for me. And then the pass catching options, you honestly made a great point about that. It was just a it was a terrible game script for him and there wasn't a big pie there. So I'm not gonna worry but too much, but um, still it kinda sucks because I, I want a little bit more information on this passing game and, and who's gonna be viable. Hopefully we get uh, a few more pass attempts out of Wilson next week at Green Bay, but if the Jets are actually going to be competitive, uh, it might be a problem for these pass catchers because they were kind of living on volume earlier in the year, but I don't know if I'm buying it off a one-game sample. For sure. Um, Atlanta at Tampa Bay, our next game here. Tampa Bay wins at 21-15. Pretty disappointing game from a fantasy perspective, uh, starting with Atlanta. Uh, Mariota had a solid day for him as far as fantasy goes. Low passing volume once again, but uh, he's pretty much just a two-quarterback league option. Tyler Algier led the backfield here, uh, but didn't really cash in. Kind of needed to score in this one to really uh, make his mark. Tough matchup at Tampa Bay. We sort of told you to manage your expectations there. I think I'm... You know, I'm still fine with Algier as the lead guy here, but he has another tough matchup with San Francisco next week, so you might not want to start him there either. Um, I just think this is kind of about Atlanta refusing to throw the ball. They were down 21-0 in this game. I thought they were finally going to open up, and they really didn't. Only 25 pass attempts. I might be a little biased. I'm still okay with Drake London, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the Atlanta offense is just going to be a little inconsistent. Yep, I completely agree with that. And also with uh, Kyle Pitts out, Drake London did become just the main focus for the defense on passing plays, so he probably got the uh, you know tough the tough matchup most of the time. If Kyle Pitts is in there, there's going to be a little bit more of attention on him, which would just open things up completely. Um, but yeah, I agree. In so they play San Francisco next week. Uh, Drake London. And then I guess if you're a Kyle Pitts owner, you'd play him as well. But I'm staying away from all running back options against that San Francisco front. Yeah, I think Kyle Pitts, like you said, might help out Drake London a little bit more than steal any work from him. He just needs someone to draw attention away from him because he's the only option in that offense on the passing game right now. That's worth sending coverage to. But uh, on the Tampa (laughs) side... Great way to put it, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, there's just not anybody else that scares you unless you're scared of Olamide Zacchaeus for some reason, but uh, I wouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought you'd like that pronunciation. I worked yeah. on that before the show. Um, <laughs> Tampa Bay, uh, I think I'm pretty encouraged with the guys that you have, you know, guys that are fantasy relevant here uh, moving forward. I, I know that some of them didn't have the best games, you know, Brady and the pass catchers especially. Brady uh, didn't have a great game, only one touchdown, still ended up with over 20 points, had uh, 350 yards and a two-point conversion to help him get there. But I just think the passing volume is what I'm looking at here. Over 50 throws in a game, they were kind of winning most of the time. So 
Um, in games with negative game scripts, you might even see him, you know, I think you'll see that number stay around there. So the passing volume is really what you're looking for with this Tampa offense. Fournette feeds off it. He had a great game. And uh, even though Godwin and Evans didn't have big games in this one, if Brady's throwing the ball 53 times a week, theirs will come. Yeah, and like you said, it was, I mean, even though he did throw the ball 53 times, you know, 10, 10 receptions went to Fournette on the majority of just dump down passes. So they they weren't really like spreading the ball downfield, trying to take deep shots either. So um, both Evans and Godwin not worrying about it at all. And then Fournette got a really big boost. He kind of had a rough couple first weeks of the season, but uh, looking really good, looking like that, you know, high second round draft pick that he was so you're you're very happy to see that um i'm guessing if you if you have leonard fournette are you holding leonard fournette or are you trying to trade him if you can get positive you know something better back maybe i, I just don't know if one one game's gonna up his value that much i think i might actually move him if i can get rb one value solid rb1 value it's really hard to move running backs right now again with how tough this landscape is but if you have the depth I might move off him. The reason being is that the last two weeks, he's played about 60% of the snaps while Rashad White has played about 40% of the snaps. So if we see that becoming more of a split as the year goes on, Rashad White's looked pretty good with the touches he's gotten to, at least I've thought so. Um, that could be a problem for Fournette because a lot of his value has come from him having you know all of the role uh, from that backfield. I don't think he's getting 10 receptions a week if he's only playing... 60% of the snaps, that's going to be tough to do on a week-to-week basis, but uh, I think I would probably sell them for a solid RB1 value if you can get yep, it. Yep, yep, you nailed the stat that I was going to hit, the 60% uh, target share, or not target share, uh, snap share is definitely a little bit concerning for me. If you could if you could flip him for Alvin Kamara straight up, would, are you, would you take that deal or would you stay with Lenny? Oh, um, if it was full PPR, it's kind of weird to say, but if it was full PPR, I think I'd lean Fournette half and non, I would probably lean Camara. Yeah, but I think uh, that's the category because... you could potentially shoot for. If, if you wanted to move off a of Lindy, if you didn't trust that he was going to be able to keep this up, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I agree with non-PPR you. Non-PPR leagues, definitely uh, more of a consideration for moving off Lenny. Um, Tennessee at Washington, this game is going to be pretty quick in my opinion. <laughs> Uh, on the Tennessee side, uh, it was just kind of a disappointing one in general. 21-17, Tennessee takes it. Just kind of an uninspiring performance from Bull. Derrick Henry looked good again. It was mostly volume-driven, though. 28 carries, 102 yards, two touchdowns. You know, he's pretty good, but not very efficient against uh, a pretty decent Washington run defense, actually, but, you know, not an elite one. So uh, there's not really anybody on the Tennessee passing game I'm considering right now. Uh, Robert Woods is maybe a deep league flex, but he didn't really show up in this one. And Tannehill is barely even a consideration in two quarterback leagues right now. He just doesn't have that difference maker on the outside that he needs. Yep, so I, I have another one for you, and then we can move off of Tennessee. If you could trade Derrick Henry for um, – oh, why am I blanking? How am I blanking on his name? Um, the Colts running back. How am I blanking on that? Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor. Thank you so much. If you could trade Derrick Henry for Jonathan Taylor straight up, would, that, would you do that? Oh, yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah, I, would, um, I, would I, I think that's more about a belief in Taylor than it is a negative feeling on Henry, though, to be honest. I, I, I mean, I, I think Henry's going to be fine. He's going to get this sort of ridiculous volume every week. So I, if he's going to keep getting 28 carries, it's going to be hard for him to be bad week to week, yeah. especially against weaker competition like this. 
and they play in the AFC South, so they're going to play a lot of weak competition. Yeah, um, I, I tend to agree with you there. I I would also make that trade, but if you are a Derrick Henry owner, if you can go out there and get you know a Jonathan Taylor and they're willing to accept that, I would at least send that offer. This volume's wonderful, but. Uh, this volume could also lead to just him getting worn down throughout the season and potential injuries. Nick made a great point with uh, Dalvin Cook earlier. It's nice to see Madison kind of taking some of the needless workload off of him and seeing Dalvin get those valuable carries. You're probably not going to see that too much out of this Tennessee offense. So I just think there may be a little bit of attrition with Derrick Henry that sets in right at the time that fantasy playoffs start to uh, take off for you. And on the Washington side, uh, Carson Wentz ends up with another 350-plus passing yard day. But once again, not really a pretty effort from him. Um, You know, made a few nice throws. This Tennessee secondary is pretty weak, but, you know, only ending up with 17 points here. I think he left a little bit on the table, and this run game really does not help him at all either, at least right now. Um, I think Robinson's probably the guy you want rest of season from the RB room. But if they're going to split three ways, I can't see any value uh, coming out of the running back situation for Washington. Um, I I don't know what you think about Wentz and the running backs, but I'm not very inspired right now. Yeah, uh, Brian Robinson is the guy I won't rest the season. There was a report that said Ron Rivera said Antonio Gibson could be used in kick and punt return formation, so he may just kind of be moving to that special teams role that – Kind of looked like he was going to get moved to before the Brian Robinson shooting happened. Uh, but we will, we'll kind of see how that plays out. I think they're all holds at this point. I'm not going to put any of them in a fantasy roster. But, you know, if Brian Robinson would be the guy that I would want if you could, you know, potentially target him in a trade or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. For me, I, I'm just not really that inspired by this all-Washington offense. Yeah, I, in 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 general, I don't I don't know if I see a world where Robinson is a week to week starter, and unless you're in a non PPR league that's twelve plus teams, uh, if he's not going to get that passing downs role that McKissick has on lock, and you know Gibson's still going to get some snaps, I just don't really see how he's going to be someone you can consistently yeah. rely on. But. And if we're being completely honest, the Brian Robinson owner in your league probably has held him for four weeks before he was able to play. So they've just they're probably not getting rid of him for anything that's like a reasonable value. They're probably gonna escalate his value a little bit more. So you're right. If you if you own him, just hold him. I I'd agree. He's probably not even a trade for candidate because you're gonna have to give up more than what he's worth to get him and hope that he booms. So yeah, that that was actually a good point. Kind of made me tilt there live, but oh well. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a solid point about the owner probably holding the hold on to him too, though. I like, uh, I like that. That's that's a solid line of thinking. It's going to be hard to trade for him at this point after they've waited all this time. Uh, On the the pass catchers here, Deami Brown ends up having the huge game, of course, because uh, we all started Curtis Samuel and Terry McLaurin. I think these guys are basically just wide receiver threes. They're going to be inconsistent, and you know Washington is just not an offense that you're going to want to rely on week to week for consistent production. Yep, and if you are starting any of these guys, do not watch the game because it's just a lot better to see no, the stat no. line at the end than have to watch Carson Wentz play football for uh, three hours on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, they both ended up doing fine, but yeah, like you said, it just it just doesn't feel good. Um, <laughs> Another dud of a game uh, in, in this one, Houston at Jacksonville. Houston wins it 13-6. to 6. 
Uh, on the Houston side, I think it's one guy that we're confident in right now. That's Damian Pierce. He got 31 opportunities in this one. You love to see that work uh, workload from a, a young running back. I think that's kind of what you need from somebody on a you know below average team. He's a locked and loaded RB two for me moving forward. And Brandon Cooks, I think, is someone we're a little bit worried about right now. Another rough week. Um, I I think he's probably still on the flex radar, but I might be a little more worried than you are to be honest. Just I just think that if this Houston defense is better than last year, you're not going to see quite as much garbage time for Brandon Cooks, which is where he made up a lot of his stats uh, last year. So I, I think that could be a little bit of a concern for Brandon. Yeah, I think the biggest concern for me is this other passing options just getting more and more involved each week. Uh, Nico Collins is just getting more involved, and then they have two different tight ends that end up stealing a couple receptions each game. So just the vo- if the volume's not going to be there, it's going to be hard for Cooks to be you know, kind of – as valuable as you'd hope when you drafted him, but um, you know he's probably moving more towards that boom bust flex category. But he was kind of drafted as that you know Mister Consistency, which he has been over the past couple of years. So, um, but that could also just mean maybe there's a couple of good weeks coming his way because he does always find a way to sneak into uh, you know good fantasy finishes on a season long basis. So. Um, yeah, if you if you're in a shallow league, I would consider starting, you know, benching them and starting a different option in your flex. But um, in most you know traditional deep leagues, I think you still find a start. Yeah, and Davis Mills just hasn't really improved like I thought he might in his second year either. Kind of yeah, they look like they're going to be drafting a quarterback in this year's draft. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, Jacksonville. Dud of a week from Jacksonville. I think this is kind of another one where I'm just going to say bad day at the office. They did end up with 422 total yards in this one. Uh, So absolutely a disappointing week. But I'm not completely panicking on these options. It was really weird to see, uh, especially Kristen Kirk with only three targets, uh, just, just the way that they switched up you know, they're, they're both their backfield and their receiving core, really, as far as who was getting the first reads. Maybe it was just Lawrence working through his progressions. I haven't gone through the tape, but it just seems odd for uh, Marvin Jones Jr. to all of a sudden lead the receiving room and targets. Uh, Evan Ingram's kind of bounced back and forth between being targeted and not, so that's not incredibly surprising. But I was surprised to see that for sure, but I'm not panicking on these Jacksonville options quite yet. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear that you haven't gone back and rewatched the uh, thirteen to six Houston and, and, and Jacksonville game from this weekend. I would expect a little bit more out of you, but uh, we'll we'll let this one slide. But yeah, it just they Lawrence just looked bad, and like you said, they did rack up some yards, and they you know they just when it came when it came time to put the ball in the end zone, they just couldn't do it, and that's what that's what it came down to. Obviously, losing by a touchdown, but um, I've been high on Lawrence, and like I've. Just looked, I watched decent, I didn't watch the game fully, but it was on red zone when, when Lawrence had the ball quite a bit, and he just, he was making bad look, or bad reads, and just not making great passes, so just a little bit off on his touch. I'm hoping just a down week, but um, definitely a little bit concerning there, but I would say, like you said, kind of bad day in the office next week. Lawrence probably falls out of the streaming category. I feel like there's probably going to be better options, and then, you know, Kirsten Kirk's, I'm going to start him again, and then I'll kind of lead this rant into the last thing that you have here. Uh, just or James Robinson or ETN, rest of season. I think I'm still probably leaning James Robinson a little bit. Um, it's just, he's just looked a little bit better than uh, ETN has to me. But 
Are you on the opposite side there? Are you starting to go back to on the ETN train? I think it's just based on what you believe as of Jacksonville as a team. Honestly, I think if the, the more that they're winning games, the more James Robinson is going to be the guy. The more they're losing games, the more Travis Etienne is going to be the guy. That's kind of how things have gone so far this year as far as snap shares and just uh, general workload is concerned. Um, I, I don't know if Jacksonville's ready to take that step into yeah. 10 or 11 wins. Got so win. I think I, I think you might be looking at a 7 or 8 win team here, and if that's the case, Etienne, especially being the younger back, I think might emerge as the year goes on here. I would take Travis Etienne rest of season right now. Any sort of PBR format. Non-PBR, I'd still take Robinson, but half and full, I would take Etienne. I don't think that's necessarily a, you know, I'm not buying low or buying high on ETN, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I just think that's just my opinion on this Jacksonville offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, you're right. This, they are looking more like a seven to nine win team. Um, you, you got to win these games against the, the Houston Texans when your defense holds them to 13 points. So definitely, hopefully they can turn it around for both fantasy and uh, Jacksonville fans like myself. <laughs> San Francisco at Carolina, our next game here. San Francisco crushes the Carolina Panthers, helps me win two of three on my best bets here, 37-15. to 15. Uh, This San Francisco offense looked fantastic against a Carolina defense that's been pretty good so far this year. Um, 37 points, obviously, in this one. I uh, had a little help from the defense, but 30 points on offense nonetheless. Passing game is going to remain low volume, so all these guys are going to be pretty inconsistent. I, I might be selling high on Debo Samuel right now, honestly. Uh, I, I just think I'm a little worried about his involvement week to week. I think he could have some pretty dud games moving forward if this is what he's going to be looking at. But um, I think the rest of the options in the offense are kind of what they are. Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, boom bust. Uh, Jeff Wilson, you're starting until uh, Elijah Mitchell comes back. And then Tevin Coleman, what do we think about him, Cody? Um, with Tevin Coleman, I think he, like, if you were someone who was rostering Tyrion Davis-Price, I think you could roster Tevin Coleman and uh, be okay instead. with that. But, yeah, instead. But, ultimately, I think, you know, in this backfield, you're going to be need a Wilson injury for Coleman to kind of be the guy there or get true fantasy value. But we see plenty of injuries in this 49er, um, you know, running back room. So I feel like they're, the main backup should always be rostered. So at this point, I think Tevin Coleman should be rostered in, you know, deep leagues for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Their defense is absolutely elite, as you have noted here. Probably the best in the league. I will say that uh, Joey Bosa, or excuse me, Nick Bosa did get hurt in this one. His doesn't seem incredibly serious, but Emmanuel Mosley, who's their probably their best secondary yep. player towards ACL. He's out for the year, so we'll see how that affects them moving forward. But, yeah, the San Francisco team is just cannot stay away from the injury bug, it seems. Um, on the Carolina side, my God, could you even imagine a worse disaster to start this year? I mean, we didn't expect <laughs> a lot from Carolina in general. I think we were both kind of low on them coming in, but – Good Lord, this has just been an absolute train wreck in every uh, way, shape, and form so far. Matt Rule got fired today, five weeks in and two years into a seven-year contract, so I'm sure the Panthers are going to be you know, regretting sending him checks for the next five years at whatever college he gets a job at, but uh, Matt Rule will be just fine. Don't worry about him. Uh, on the Carolina side, though, I think it's McCaffrey. 
and you know you can hold a couple options if you want just because there's a chance these guys get traded as you have noted here maybe a dj Moore to your chiefs i don't know if i see that happening with their lack of draft <laughs> capital but um and lack of cap space but uh we'll see i think i think there's a chance they get moved but at, in, at the same time new coaching staff or not a new coaching staff, but just a new coach, maybe a you know fresh set of eyes on this offense changes things a little bit. I don't mind hanging on to DJ Moore, but uh, you can't start anybody but McCaffrey right now. Yep, I completely agree. And I put DJ Moore to the Chiefs here as kind of a joke because we, we definitely need a wide receiver one, and he definitely needs a good quarterback. So that would just be a match made in heaven there. But, um, yeah, probably not going to happen. And if you're like if you're the Panthers, just a real NFL thing moving forward because Baker's obviously not your guy. You're not keeping him after this year. You're not keeping Sam Darnold. You're not going to keep PJ Walker if that's who your third stringer still is. So you're you know you're going to have a new quarterback. Having a true wide receiver one like DJ Moore would be a huge help to them. So I don't think DJ Moore's the player likely to get moved. I think Robbie Anderson may potentially get moved, but. I don't know if that's going to be fantasy relevant either way. Um, I did see something reported that the Bills apparently called the... uh, um, About McCaffrey. About McCaffrey. So as a Chiefs fan, uh, NFL, let's make sure that does not happen, please. That that would be absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, if Carolina... If they they offer you a first-round pick, I think you got to do it. Uh, I don't know if McCaffrey's going to be, you know, a you know, a superstar option the next time that you're a good team. So if you can get a first-round pick for him right now, you go ahead and take it. And if you're the Bills, I'd make that move. I mean, you, you, you your Super Bowl window is now. You're hoping that pick is number 32. So how do you, uh, how, I think it's just kind of a good fit. How would you guard their offense? I mean, you, there would just be no way that you'd have enough people on defense to, to block plus – be able to cover everyone as they need to be. So, yeah, if they, they make that trade, they – I, they should win the Super Bowl, and they're already in that conversation anyway. Goodness gracious, they'd be yeah. so good. Yeah, they really would be. I think it makes a lot of sense for both sides. I think that's a very strong possibility, to be honest with you. Um, Dallas at L.A. Uh, this one uh, was a pretty pretty big slugfest, kind of what we expected going in. Dallas takes it 22-10, to 10, another team that helped me pay off on the best bet segment here. Uh, on the Dallas side, this defense is really, really, really good. Um, I think you're probably not starting them next week at Philly, but you can basically just set it and forget it if you have a, uh, a defense in your league just because they're that good at creating you know, sacks and getting points for you on the defensive side. I'm not really worried about CD in this one. Uh, they're passing off. I think they. I think Cooper rushed through 15 or 16. I can't remember exactly passes in this game, but they just weren't needed. CD still got eight of the targets, almost 50%. So he'll be fine moving forward. Uh, and in the running back room, Tony Pollard had the huge run in this one. Uh, ended up with I think eight carries for uh, just over 80 yards and a touchdown. So he had a really good game. Zeke, 22 carries in this one, but only 79 yards. I, it just seems like he's going to be the guy unless he gets hurt. So I think Zeke is still the one you want rest of season. But, uh, yeah, you know, I've, <laughs> I, I'm still just sort of worried that Pollard will take over at some point. Yeah, I mean, as a Zeke owner in a couple leagues, that's definitely something that's going to be in the back of your mind. That's why I... Anytime Zeke has a game like this where he kind of commands the the majority of of um, 
rushing opportunities, and he didn't have a great week, but it wasn't bad, especially against a really good Rams rush defense. He still looks good. Yeah, I I, I think this, I, yeah, he still looked good this week, and he's looked good this year. I think he's also another candidate as someone you could potentially trade because the Pollard potential takeover is always going to be looming, so you're always going to be somewhat concerned, concerned starting Zeke week to week, but it, it, that just depends on what you're able to get back for him. I think he's still a, a fine fantasy option moving forward for you. Yeah, I think I would want to wait till he has a good week to sell him just so you can get proper value for him, but yep. uh, that might not be a horrible idea. We'll see about Dak coming back next week at Philly. I think that'd be a tough situation to throw him into. I might wait one more week, especially since they're 4-1. and one. They don't really need to rush him back yet. Yeah. Um, on the Rams side, I think it's Cup and Higby, and that's pretty much it right now. This offense looks really rough. This offensive line is not good. Cooper Cup is an absolute beast, and Tyler Higby's target share is too hard to pass up at the tight end position, but I can't trust the running backs whatsoever, and Stafford is a streamer at best right now, and you really have to just kind of base it off of the opposing team's pass rush. If they have anything above average, you can't start Stafford. That's that's kind of all it boils down. All it boils down to. Oh yeah, I yeah. If there's a pass rusher on the other team that's above average, I think I'm avoiding Stafford because this Rams offensive line looks terrible. Yeah, I mean it's really as simple as that. And then on uh, the running back side, Acres is the only one that gets a carry in this game. Uh, Malcolm Brown made a sighting as well. I, I don't really know how you can start any of these guys right now with how bad this O-line is. I'm not sure if it's just Acres looking bad or if it's the O-line just being absolutely putrid, but either way, I think you probably have to wait for an injury here to be comfortable starting either one. I completely agree with you, and behind that offensive line, I don't even know if if there was just one in this backfield, if they would be insanely valuable for fantasy. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. If you are, uh, if you have Akers or Henderson, they are two-for-one candidates and just try and get them off your roster while acquiring some kind of better asset. Um, if you're in a shallow league and Kenneth Walker's out there, both these guys are obviously droppable for Kenneth Walker. Oh, yeah. Um, no question. Yeah, and even some other guys that maybe you know don't, you know, carry the weight of Kenneth Walker are these guys are definitely droppable in, in shallow leagues. In normal traditional, you know, deeper leagues, you can't drop them because they're, you know, potential RB ones if they're if one of them goes down. But I don't know, they're kind of just roster clogs. I have Acres in the league, and I haven't found myself with the ability to drop them. But every week, you're just disappointed by the way he looks on the field combined with what he ends up putting up for fantasy. Yeah, 100%. It seems like they want him to be the guy, but they just cannot establish the run at all right now. I think, uh, you know, if you got to drop him, you do. I'd rather hang on to Akers than Henderson if you have both, but um, I'm not really thrilled to have either one right now. Right. Um, Philadelphia at Arizona. This game kind of ended up disappointing a little bit, especially from Philadelphia's perspective. Uh, 20 to 17, Philadelphia ends up winning it on the Philadelphia side. Uh, A.J. Brown has his first down week as an Eagle, uh, but I think this is, again, a Byron Murphy thing. He's been really good against number one so far this year. I'm not really concerned about him moving forward. Uh, really, same for all the Eagles. I think they pretty much all ended the week the same that they began it. Hurts is good. He had a solid week. Doesn't throw a touchdown, but he doesn't need to. Devonta Smith gets the huge target share because A.J. Brown is locked up by uh, Byron Murphy. He did well, and then Goddard 
uh, exploited this defense that is horrible against tight ends as well. And then a little bit of a disappointing game for Sanders, but the workload's still there, so I'm not worried. Yep, I, I agree with you on Philadelphia. I think it, I think it's pretty simple for him this week. Um, but I do think Byron Murphy is just someone to to keep in the back of your in the back of your mind moving forward. If you have your wide receiver one going up against the Cardinals, uh, I definitely would bring down their expectations a little bit. I did see he got banged up at the end of this game, so uh, he might be out this next week against Seattle. Again, you probably he's a corner that's good enough worth keeping an eye on for a fantasy perspective, though. For so sure. I would uh, just monitor that. If you have DK Metcalf on the Seattle uh, Seattle Seahawks, he would be the guy you would be lined up against. On the Arizona side, um, just this is just sort of an uninspiring offense. There's really only two guys I'm comfortable starting right now. Uh, this was a tough matchup with Philly, but still, uh, it's Kyler and it's Marquise Brown. Man, I really wish Kyler would run more. He, I, I think this offense just opens up so much when he runs. He had f- only four carries in this one. They went for 42 yards. I, I just think he needs to use his running ability to open up everything else. Um, but you know, I'm not even. I don't even know if I want to talk about the running backs right now. I, I wish I could recommend one for a waiver ad. I guess it's Eno Benjamin because he's the only healthy one. But if Connor or Darrell Williams comes back, I'm not that confident in him. Yeah, I think that uh, Eno's a guy that you add if you need a running back because he could potentially be their number one guy this week, but he's definitely not someone you, you dump a bunch of fab out there for. Um, and then, you know, something I just kind of thought about and I kind of want to get your opinion on, uh, you know, we, we were talking about the Panthers and how Matt Rule just got fired. Their offense looks terrible. The Cardinals offense isn't that far off from the Carolina offense. It's just one of them has Baker Mayfield and the other has Kyler Murray. So... I feel like it's a little bit of coaching, but there's so much like negativity around Kyler, whether or not he studies this and that, you know, like obviously it's just going to be a talking point all season long, especially when their offense struggles, whatever the issue is, because you just signed both of them. You got to figure out what it is and move off. You don't want to move off of Kyler unless he's just a terrible, you know, off the field player. But if, if, their offense is this bad rest of the season, and Kyler's not the issue, then you've got to move off. I know you just signed the uh, Cliff Kingsbury, but I- I'm just going to say, their their offense isn't that far from the Panthers. It's just they have an insane running around quarterback that just saves them. Doesn't save them every week, but comes close to saving them just about every week. Yeah, I think if you put Kyler in Philly and you put Jalen in Arizona, these teams would look just about the same as they do. Um, I, I don't really think it's a Kyler problem for me. I think it's more of a Cliff problem personally. So yeah. um, hopefully they figure that out and get him a new coach before it's too late, but we'll see. Um, Cincinnati at Baltimore, the nightcap. This was a disappointing game, Cody. I broke my cardinal rule when it comes to betting over-unders. It's never bet an over on divisional game, Cody. I, I just saw the line. It looked juicy, and I went for it. And it was an absolute dud. I I, uh, I will learn and I will get better. I apologize for that one. But um, Cincinnati, uh, I think Mixon looked a little better in this one. That was good to see. The O-line still hasn't looked great, but uh, he did pretty well on the rushes he got. Uh, was inches from a touchdown, so his numbers didn't end up looking great. But I, I think I'm fine with him moving forward. He's a low-end RB1. Jamar Chase definitely been a disappointment so far, but he's still got 12 targets. I think he'll be fine. He'll have, you know, if he even goes up for 150 yards and two touchdowns next week, no one's going to bat an eye at him. He'll be fine. And I think Samaj P. Ryan is a high-end hair handcuff. 
Uh, he looks really good when he gets the ball. I think you can consider him kind of in the Alexander Madison role. If Mixon ever were to get hurt, he'd be really valuable. Yep, I completely agree on P. Ryan. You actually picked him up uh, a couple weeks ago in our fantasy, uh, in our fantasy league, and I think you outbid me by a dollar or two, or maybe we were both put zero and you got him over me. But yeah, that was a good ad by you because he is the clear handcuff to Mixon. Um, my only frustration with the Bengals side of this is just you know if you're gonna say T. Higgins is playing. Well, I don't know. If you're not going to play him, then just label him as out because that, that – it killed me in a league. I ended up losing by four points in a league that I had T. Higgins put up an over for me. So um, not saying that the other option I would have started would have been great, but if I could have moved T. Higgins to my IR for the weekend and or for the evening and picked up the uh, Bengals or Ravens secondary options, I may have been able to pull out a win. So – I don't know. Do you have any insight on the T. Higgins issue? I guess I just didn't really see what happened, but did he play at all, or was he just basically out from the start? No, he played some snaps, looked like he might have re-aggravated his ankle, and then was just in a, you know, only in an emergency situation on the sideline. I don't really know how to give advice on these type of situations, to be honest. I've seen a ton of times where an elite player uh, doesn't practice all week, is questionable going into the game, and then has a huge week, even though he's a game-time decision. And then you see, you know, some guys do this. So it's really you're always just kind of rolling the dice when these guys go into a game uh, as game time decisions with injury. When they're this elite and the team is telling you they're going to play and there's no, you know, indication that it's going to be on a snap count or anything, then I think you just have to trust it. You're going to get burned sometimes, but you're going to be kicking yourself more often than not if Higgins goes off for 100 yards and a touchdown in this one. It's uh, just kind of a tough situation. Kind of the same thing with Amandra St. Brown. Unless there's an indication that they're on a snap count going in, I don't see how you bench yeah. them unless you That's are fair. in a really shallow league or something. I agree with you because I, I did think about it. If I had St. Brown this week in any of my leagues, I would have ended up throwing him in the starting lineup because you just can't, you can't bench that kind of talent unless you know they're going to be limited to a snap count or, or you know just officially not playing. So that's a good point. That, fair enough. Yeah, I, I benched him for Gabe Davis in a league this week, so that did not. Or you just you well big brain me. everybody, <laughs> and you start Randy Moss two So wonderful, wonderful play for Nick. Luckily, I lost more by more than thirty in that league because the the team I was playing against had Mahomes, Devontae Adams, and Josh Jacobs in that Monday night game. So uh, no worries there. Uh, but <laughs> on the Baltimore side, uh, I, I feel like this was almost a really big game for this offense again. Lamar really left a lot of points on the field in this one. Uh, The Bengals are a pretty good defense. Their defensive coordinator does a really good job of mixing up coverages and just kind of confusing the quarterbacks from week to week. Not really a ton of huge playmakers here. They have a solid pass rush, not a great one, but they did a pretty good job against this Baltimore offense. Uh, But again, Lamar just kind of missed a couple big throws that would have made this game a lot bigger. Lamar Jackson, or excuse me, uh, Mark Andrews is very good. I think the only conversation here comes in on J.K. Dobbins. What's your temperature on him right now? Um, I mean, it's kind of where it has been. Obviously, after last week, I would say the temperature on him rose quite a bit. But, um, you know, he's probably still in flex consideration. I think the biggest thing that you have, la- you know, that you have laid out here is just he's heavily splitting touches um, and snaps. So if he's not going to be committed fully to being the number one guy, that kind of lowers his ceiling quite a bit. But, um, you know, flex flex option, I would say, for Dobbins going into next week. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, I, I need to see him 
emerge as a 60% snap guy uh, like two weeks in a row for me to be comfortable starting him every week. I, I feel like in deeper leagues you're just going to have to throw him in there, but otherwise you you know, you might get this from Dobbins, eight carries, uh, 40 I think it was 46 yards, and that's it. You know, it doesn't look bad on the carries he got, but the the the, the Baltimore Ravens are just going to be careful bringing him back. They're not going to overload him week to week. So for sure, we will uh, see how it works out moving forward. But that's what I have to say on Dobbins and the pass catchers for the Ravens. I think you're starting. You know, you can start Bateman or Duvernay if they're the one uh, week to week, but they're just flex considerations. They're going to be pretty low volume. Yep. And lastly, Cody, I'm going to go ahead and let you take the lead on this game. It's your moment. We just got done with this game, and your team pulled off a pretty sweet win. So you go ahead and take the reins. Yeah, for sure. Winners win. That's that's the coin that I'm going to have for the Chiefs season this year because they don't do it very prettily. Very, if that's a word, I don't know. If I, it's my bedtime, so I'm Let's, sorry. <laughs> but, we're gonna we're gonna coin that one for the podcast. Yeah, there, prettily. prettily. It's prettily. not very okay. prettily, but right. it's done. It, they get the job done. So, um, but we'll start with Vegas here. <laughs> Josh Jacobs was an absolute animal tonight um the Chiefs couldn't stop him honestly if they would have turned around and gave him the ball on every play I think that the the Raiders may have been able just to win this game on his back alone because he he was unstoppable and then Devontae Adams I don't know I I don't know what to do with Devontae Adams because you with the draft capital and where I mean I would say most logical fantasy players probably have him down a little bit thanks for updating that he went three for seven ended up with 124 yards and two touchdowns but really just not getting that you know the amount of targets that we had kind of I guess I guess even Devontae Adams probably had, had hopes that he had had to so um, obviously bailed you out with the two big touchdowns but I'm just not sure how to feel about him obviously not in a bad way you're still playing him but just overall ceiling wise I feel like has to come down a little bit what's your thoughts on Devontae Adams I don't know. I feel pretty good about him if I have him. I I wasn't that high on Adams coming into the year, so I didn't. I don't know if there's you know I don't have I didn't have those first round expectations most people had. I was more of a yeah. mid round two kind of guy, but you know some other guys have come down, and I think Adams might have had more targets if he hadn't scored on two fifty plus yard That's bombs. Fair. You know yep. if they would have been they would have been you know three catches for twenty yards and two touchdowns instead. You know if he, if he would end up for eight. Out of 10 for 124 and two touchdowns might have looked a little better, but it's just kind That's of a fair. circumstance of him catching those long touchdowns. So yep. I think it's more speaks to his ability than anything else, especially if Waller misses some time. He he only played a few snaps in this one, hurt his hamstring. If, if Waller's out, Devontae Adams is going to be an absolutely smash play in the, yep. uh, this offense. Speaking of... Uh, bought low on Josh Jacobs. Uh, shout out to the pod for that one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and did you see the, the ending play of that game where Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro just ran into each other and fell down as Derek Carr yes, I overthrew him by 20 yards? I couldn't believe that. That's That's got to be one that's, that's definitely going to sting because, I mean, De- Devontae Adams, when you get him downfield, he can go up and get just about any ball you throw down there. So as soon as I saw him launch it, I started sweating even more than I already was. And then, obviously, you just see the two two players on the ground and the ball come down. But – yeah, he. I agree. That was a good point. I'm not concerned with Adams. I agree. We were both relatively lower on Adams compared to like I guess the the industry is, if you'd say. But that, that is a good point. If you know, he could have potentially been eight for eleven, hundred twenty-two, and two touchdowns if he doesn't catch two bombs. So, good point there. And then, um, 
Yeah, Kansas City, I don't really think there's a lot to say here. Obviously, there's one name we're definitely going to get to. Mahomes, Kelsey, they're every week starters. Not much to say there, but, um, yeah, they're amazing. The wide receivers are all lottery tickets. I think that we can honestly just coin all of them as just DFS options at this point. I don't know. I mean, Juju was supposed to have a decent week this week if you look at fantasy projections, like on ESP, and if you're looking at the projected points, but... Nothing too spectacular. MVS got more involved, but next week he may not have any involvement. So I'm out on all wide receiver options unless you're throwing him into a DFS lineup. But the big name and the big kind of thing we need to talk about here is Clyde. Um, Obviously, us, every other fantasy podcast or fantasy platform you've heard has probably been telling you to sell high on Clyde. And this is why. And I've been one of the you know Clyde supporters. I think he is the best running back in this offense, but I think he's ultimately limited because I think what his best asset is is just being a pass catching running back Uh, between the tackles both McKinnon and Pacheco kind of look better than him so um, I think you could still sell high on him because he has had a good start to the season but you if you waited another week then that value came down a little bit for you or I would say quite a bit for you yeah, I think this this game is kind of the perffect microcosm for the Clyde Edwards Elair sell high candidacy just because you saw you know Jarek McKinnon with the random eight carries and leading the team with 53 yards had that really long 30 yard run where he looked pretty good and then Clyde seemingly scored the seven yard receiving touchdown only we do down at the half yard line and then Kelsey ends up getting it on the one there so. Uh, that's kind of the the nature you're living with uh, with Clyde. You were sort of relying on those TDs. He almost got another one, almost bailed you out again, but just didn't quite get in, and then uh, pretty much dudded you uh, after that with only 35 total yards and three catches, so really yeah. not getting the job done. This is sort of what we told you. I mean, yeah, he had 13 opportunities and didn't do a ton with him. He's he's a pretty good back. He's just not elite and doesn't command the uh, the workload of the the, the other RB ones. Yeah, imagine if this uh, Chiefs offense had Jonathan Taylor in that backfield. They'd be so I don't want to freaking good, man. But we went with the pass catching option out of LSU instead. So. I would say that's been yeah, probably. You guys have made some pretty good draft picks the past yeah. few years. I wouldn't be complaining too much if I were you. <laughs> I was going to say I'm um, complaining, that's just but that from is. A Broncos fan, so. Yeah, I, I was surprised that you. Uh, I was surprised you left of that dollars. Yeah, <laughs> some hundreds of dollars to go travel to watch the Thursday night game, uh, the twelve to nine affair against the the Colts. Yeah, and I'm glad you caught that. I purposely left that off. I hope you recapped <laughs> it somewhat on the Friday show because I just I. Couldn't bring myself to talk about that game on air. It would have been a lot of expletives flying around. Would have not been yeah, safe for work. So I guess we had to, had to leave that one off. I do. I do just want to get your temperature check. I mean, I guess at this point, all Denver options. I mean, Russ, he's a streamer, so you could you could drop him if there's a better quarterback option out there. But with yeah. with Sutton and Judy, are you just you just holding them at this point? I mean. Sutton, Sutton's fine. I think Sutton yeah, is starting yeah. still. I mean, he, oh, of course. his sorry. targets have been there. Yeah, go ahead. His targets have been there, and he still was fine in this game. I mean, honestly, the yardage was there. They just can't execute in the red zone right now. I mean, I think that's something they can figure out. Uh, as ugly as the game was, I think the Broncos ended up with about 370 total yards. So this offense is not anemic like some other offenses in this NFL. They just cannot execute on the plus side of the field right now. So the touchdown upside is going to be obviously not there until that is changed, but... Uh, I think Sutton and Judy are both fine, honestly. They they both have been pretty heavily targeted. Uh, Judy ended up with eight targets in this one. 
but yeah, again, without the touchdowns, you're just you're not going to have those boom weeks. But um, I, I do like the concentration of targets for Sutton and Judy, so I'm still fine with both of them. Uh, probably not quite as, you know, it's not Sutton's a high-end wide receiver two, Judy's a wide receiver, you know, low-end wide receiver two. It's more like Sutton's a two and Judy's a flex, but I'm still fine with him. And then Gordon I'm fine with as well. Seems like he was the lead guy. Until he fumbles again, it seems like he'll be the lead guy. So, yep. yeah, I, I'm fine with those guys. But, yeah, like you said, Russ is a streamer. Uh, I'm I'm not starting him right now, especially not next week at uh, the Chargers. Yeah, for sure. Especially with his apparent shoulder injury. Hopefully that explains away his poor play. But, man, he looked – from an in-person perspective, he looked horrible uh, on Thursday night. I will say watching that game, I, I mean, I didn't call that he may have had an injury or something, but he just – he did not look like Russell Wilson. Like – if if they if he they had just drafted a new quarterback that was like a developmental thing and he just looked bad you're like all right oh well like he'll he'll have better days ahead but like we've seen Russell Wilson be extremely good in the NFL he does not look like that like you you could tell there just had to be something else off because he almost looked like he couldn't make some of the throws that he wanted to like he just I don't know whenever I was looking at him I didn't look at him and just see like this guy has completely lost it. Like he just looks like he was potentially incapable of making some of those rolling out throws that he's been kind of coined to do. So I, I mean, I'm obviously just I hoping sure on a so. Russ turnaround, but I, cause I obviously just traded for Sutton and then I traded for Russ in another league, but I, I don't know. I, they know that I know the procedure was to hopefully drain some, you know, fluid out of his shoulder or something like that. So that way it would relieve some pain. I'm hoping so as well. I just I can't imagine Russell Wilson just completely falls off a cliff like this in his career. I mean, it's it would be pretty pretty remarkable if he did. Yeah, I sure hope so. We'll see how it goes moving forward. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that shoulder is more of a reason than an excuse uh, to this point for Russell Wilson. For sure. And then on the Colts options, I mean, Alec Pierce in deep leagues should be a roster addition. And oh, yeah. Then, um, he looked great. Yeah, he looked really good. Michael Pittman, definitely concerned because he's maybe not that number one just Mr. Target Share guy that he was drafted to be. So... Maybe temper expectations a little bit on him, but um, also I think it's just like kind of a Matt Ryan might not be as good as we we had hoped he would be for these Colts. So um, yeah, I think I think Indianapolis is is definitely you know has has some red flags there uh, just overall as a team with Matt Ryan, and then the fantasy options just kind of seem a little lackluster from what we thought they would be, but. Yeah, I, I don't know if I feel the same on Pittman. I think I'm fine with him. I think this is more of a uh, Pat Sertan effect, personally. I, I think uh, from a completely biased opinion that he is the best corner in the NFL right now, and he does shadow. Michael Pittman spends a lot of time on the outside, so I don't know exactly what the uh, the numbers were as far as how much he lined up ag- across from Pittman, but I would be willing to bet it was you know well over 60 to 70% of the time, so... I think Pittman will have better days ahead. I think he's still clearly the best guy here. Pierce has looked impressive. Definitely pick him up in deep leagues, but Pittman's still the guy I want here. Maybe not with that top 10 to 5 upside like you hoped, but you know, drafting him in the third or fourth round like we were, I think he can still be a solid wide receiver too. Yeah, nope, I, I agree with you there. I just, and that is a good point on Sertan. I may have overlooked that a little bit, but, you know, Pierce did look good. Maybe maybe a little bit more involvement. Pittman's just not that dominating guy that we thought. But if he can end up being a wide receiver too, I think overall in the season you're going to be happy with that. So not too bad there. But 
I am uh, I am ready to wrap this thing up, Nick. We have hit midnight central time, so I am uh, I am barely keeping my eyes open. But if you stuck around for the entire episode, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, Thursday Thursday night football preview will be coming out. You know Wednesday evening to uh, Thursday morning, so just keep a lookout for that. But Nick, do you have any last comments for the uh, for the people? No, we will uh, talk to you guys soon. But uh, Cody, I'll let you get out of here. Awesome. Peace out, everybody. See you guys.